Hello, everybody. Who do I sound like? <laughs> F you. <laughs> I don't do it every time. Well, not this time, because I did it. No, but... Well, let's just say, today on the podcast, we had my colleague and friend, and Stephen's friend too, Jacob Tim. Uh, he's calling it 10 Capital, for those of you that don't know, talking about COIs and referrals. Yeah, it was cool. We had a lot of good conversations today. Um, it's always fun to talk to your, your friends and sort of colleagues in a in a professional manner but in a, our situation's kind of unique yeah, isn't it yeah, where totally. we uh, we're asking things that we know what they're going to say but how are they going to say it kind of thing yeah and he's been kicking butt at building COIs and getting referrals and growing a book and really uh, achieving the American dream if you will yeah and we didn't necessarily give like point by point but this is a how to network and a how not to network kind of uh, discussion you know things that you should do and things that you shouldn't do Totally. Networking and then also, though, on the COI front, how to foster those relationships, grow those relationships, and train the people that are going to be referring to you and how's the best way to refer to you. So hopefully you enjoy it. Yeah, let's get to the episode. Have you been recording? No, I just started recording. Does Jake's level sound good? Jake's levels sound good. Sounds good to me. You sound so good, Jake. Jake's levels look good as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, well... Want me to do intros? You have to frame it. What are we talking about? Well, I'm about? going to. Yeah. yeah. Welcome this to Ordinary Extraordinary. Yeah. We are <laughs> Welcome to Ordinary Extraordinary. Yeah. My name is Ben Clune. This is my Scottish friend, Stephen Brown. And today on the podcast, we have my other friend and colleague, and I guess he can be Stephen's friend as well. Yeah. Depending on the day, we'll say. I'll yeah. claim you both. I'll claim you both. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Tim. Jake Tim. He is a financial advisor here at 10 Capital with me. And uh, we have a lot of fun here at the Confirm. Yes, Jake we does do. a really good job of cultivating and maintaining COIs, centers of influence. Mm. So today we were going to grill him a little bit on how he's gone about building, maintaining, growing uh, centers of influence. And so for those that don't know what a center of influence is, I guess we should say that's a referral source yeah. in plain and simple terms. But Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about history of you, of who Jake okay. is, where you came from, okay. the lovely, growing, bustling town of Harrington, and then go from there. Yeah, so I'm Jake, has been alluded to, and thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, I'm Eastern Washington, born and raised, grew up in Harrington, about an hour west of here, on the farm. Parents were farmers. <laughs> Le- I learned to work hard, uh, play sports, that's what we did. Um, college in Florida, so... I was an odd kid that thought, hmm, there's got to be more than conservative white people out there. Let's, <laughs> let's go see if I can find any of them. And so, yeah, I went to Florida State, um, graduated with a degree in marketing, uh, economics, and started... Wait, why were you, why'd you go to Florida, Jake? Let's get the real good stuff. I, there's something you left out there. Yeah, I grew, I grew up on Lake Roosevelt, so I was a pretty good wakeboarder for the area but again this is the 90s so it wasn't like we were all just recording ourselves and really knew how good everyone else was so i want to and in the back up i did two years at washington state loved it but it was just like home so when i transferred to florida state for my junior year i wanted to see if i could become a pro wakeboarder and that dream died very quickly every 14 year old down there is much better than i was but liked it down there uh had a blast couldn't handle the humidity Mm. so started making my way back across the country started in banking so i did that uh through uh the financial crisis of 08 and then 
settled back in Spokane here after a stint in Seattle in 2010. Uh, worked with Morgan Stanley, and then when 10 Capital was formed in 2011, um, yeah, really wanted to be part of something independent, and here we are, 10 years later. So, Ten years later. yeah. Got was a, it 2011, yeah. 2011 the firm was formed? 2011. I mean, technically, it was like January 1st, 2012. Because okay, I was but, like, hey, yeah. we're supposed to go somewhere for our 10-year, yeah, remember? Yeah, so. so technically, it was early 2012, but 2011 was when kind of the genesis of it came together. So, yeah, up on the South Hill, lovely wife, uh, two kiddos that keep me busy, and that's that's me in a nutshell. Jake's like me. He married up. I did. Yeah, I did. This whole office married up. Yeah, this whole office. Yeah, Yeah. I need tips from the ten capital (laughs) office on how to how to basically be a schlub and find beautiful women married. (laughs) Exactly, find them and marry them quick. Yeah, (laughs) before they figure it out. (laughs) You be my wife. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, we did. We did well. Yeah, just say it with confidence. Yeah, hopefully we'll say yes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Let's be honest. They're not just beautiful. they're smart. They're smart. They're cool. They're, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I'll give Jamie. They all get along and hang out, too. Yeah. yeah. I'll give Jamie all the credit in the world. I know when I've had a lot of uh, young people, interns, asking, like, how do you get into this industry? How do you build a book? I'm like, you either better be single or have a significant other or a spouse who is very comfortable letting you be out and about. And when you bring them with you, can hang mm-hmm. and Jamie from day one with all the events that we throw and a lot of entertaining. yeah a lot of entertaining she she knows that when you know I got to schmooze or you know engage with someone she's mm-hmm. very comfortable on her own so that's always been really nice yeah. you know some people fought me on that uh, Heartland locally here where I said I'm not yeah. hiring anybody without a spousal interview I want to meet the spouse I want to make sure they know how hard the role is and what's expected of them and yeah, there's tons of flexibility, but that flexibility can't be abused. Did HR tell you no, or was no, it just it was in general? More locally, people were like, gotcha. hey, "What you want it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll take them to lunch. I'll take them to dinner. I'll meet them on a weekend. We yeah. can golf. We can do whatever we whatever they want to do. I just want to meet the spouse and make well, sure it's a lifestyle yeah. more so than a job. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Without that support, yeah, people are going to fail. And we actually had some instances where we tried to hire people and they were getting pulled in too many different directions. Because month one, month two, I mean, year one is tough, but month one, month two, it's like go out and set appointments, and that's the hardest part. You guys know that. Well, I remember getting into the industry. uh, One thing Morgan Stanley did really well was train. You know, any big corporate entity does. So being back in New Jersey for kind of our um, end training before they sent us out in the field, they had the the keynote was a guy who'd been in the industry a few years and had, you know, brought in $100 million or something like that. So the two things that really stood out to me was, you know, someone asked him, hey, how do you network? You know, how do you build a book? And he's like, be everywhere all the time. And, you know, we all kind of laughed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, no, that's true. Yeah. You never turn down, in the beginning especially, you never turn down a happy hour. You never turn down a position on a board. You just got to go everywhere, turn over the stones and see what sticks. And, and you get a little further down and can obviously start being a little more selective. But, yeah. yeah. You find what works. Yeah, exactly. So I have a question on that. Yeah. You brought up networking, right? Uh-huh. And I think a lot of people mistake networking for creating centers of influence. A lot mm-hmm. of people are meeting people, but they're not necessarily meeting people the right way. So let's start sure. there. How do you differentiate between just networking to know people and, and actually getting to know people that might be a source of business for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I know for me, it's always important to be seen. 
um, you know, networking in general. I, I'm not necessarily, as I know you two aren't, looking for business when you're networking. You're just out there. You want people to know who you are. And my goal is to have them always leave with a positive impression for the most part, you know, without being fake. You got to be genuine, obviously. But, you know, at, at, it, that's that's the being on, I guess, is what you call it. You want to put your best foot forward. And, and my wife, Jamie, and I have talked about that. That's sometimes the struggle of networking is, you know... Um, when we'll go over to Seattle, uh, she'll, she's amazed at how comfortable I am there and how much I relax amid all the chaos. And obviously I'm talking Seattle pre pandemic. Um, (laughs) but she's like, she's like, how do you, she's like, how do you relax over here amongst all these people, Mike, because no one knows me and I know I'm not going to walk around the corner and have to be on and impress anybody. And again, it has to be intentional, but to me, networking is just that idea of not everybody's a client or a prospect Mm -hmm. but i want everyone to know who i am Mm -hmm. and i want them to leave with a positive impression of me which is great but sometimes it certainly leads to fatigue that comes you know you said something early in in your Uh little time there that i thought was really good and true and it's uh i think a lot of people go into networking events expecting to come out of it with cards that are going to lead to business right when a lot of the time i think what networking actually facilitates is I have Jake as a prospect, and I happen to run into Jake at one of these networking events. Like, oh, Jake, it's nice to see you again. Like, oh, man, I've been meaning to reach back out to you. Let's grab a beer next week. Absolutely. Right? It's not that you're necessarily looking for new business, but it's that it creates, to your point, what yeah. you were saying, more positive brand image in the community. A hundred percent. And then facilitates those interactions and those relationships that you might already have. You hit the nail on the head because uh, one of the quote-unquote networking things that I did for quite a while, especially pre-pandemic. I hope I don't have to say that anymore during this, I the know. pre and the post. But uh, yeah, it was um, kind of a weekly or every other weekly uh, shuffleboard. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd go to 24 taps, and basically the idea was great. There was probably six of us that would do it, you know, bring someone. And, and it was networking in its, in its purest sense, but to that point, no one was trying to hit each other up for business. There was some good conversations that would happen, but there was no business cards being thrown around. Then it started expanding. And I knew that that event had run its course the time I showed up and there was 40 people there and everyone was just running around business card in hand. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm (laughs) over it. Yeah. That's not not the point. point. And I'm probably, I'm the one that gets caught off guard sometimes. And I'm like, I probably should have a business card right now, but I don't. Cause that's never, it's, I just think the moment a bunch of business cards start flying around, that is not what I'm looking for. I don't carry them. No. This this podcast originated from a similar situation. I started off trying to go to BNI groups mm-hmm. and I'm like, what do you mean I'm on the clock for a minute and what are you writing down there? Like, no, like, and I'm looking around the table and the, to your point, there's maybe 35, 40 people there. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going, I wouldn't do business with any of you people. I'm not going to refer to any <laughs> of you people. No. So yeah. done. So yeah. then, I mean, I, I started a group and Ben was part of it and we yeah. had some good people in there and we had other people in there that just didn't, didn't really understand the concept of referring exactly or helping each other and it's like look no stop telling me how how you can get my business like if i've got business for you you're going to get it exactly tell me how i can find business for you and go and, and learn from me how you can go find business for well, me make right? yourself likable to that person that's going to be referring yeah. you like exactly know the person yeah but, but then i was like i'm putting time and effort into this i'm bringing content almost weekly yeah like 
people are cancelling when it's their turn to present. Yep. So I said, I'm, I'm wrapping this. If you guys yep. want to continue it, by all means. Yeah. And then Ben and I got together and talked about how do we keep doing some stuff together and how do we create accountability for each other. And sure. The podcast came out of it. Absolutely. And I think it's been amazing what uh, you guys have done. Um, it's a great way to obviously have people know who you are and hopefully leave with a positive impression. Um, it depends all, on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, intellectual honesty. <laughs> Emily that went around our whole office. That was a, that was a yeah. great one. Uh, Everybody freaking listened to it in the yeah, office. Yeah, we did. I was like, oh, gosh. Jake, Jake thought the uh, the sex trophies was funny. Yeah. A lot of people thought I, I the did sex think, trophies. I did think it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and see, and I, I, I had some points where I, I thought that was actually a good one. Well, one of the quotes that I have on, I don't have it in the new office, but in the old one when I opened up my little locker door, um, one of them is, it's okay to clash as long as you clash with purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just fun. It, it was good to watch you guys go back. And I, to be honest, as someone with two kids, I agree with both of you. I have certainly had friends numerous times that have used their children as an excuse oh, people totally do. for not getting things done and I also know that I apologized to numerous people once I had children so I'm like alright I get it now you know? <laughs> so it's like no I agreed with both of your points on that one yeah. so yeah <laughs> I love that you even knew the name that we called it intellectual honesty oh, totally totally but no to that point I think that's been a great way that I'm sure you have been able to continue to develop your networks because we've all seen that, especially growing your career. There's a lot of things that don't work and then you find those gems that do, but that's networking. It's being out, it's being everywhere, it's thinking outside of the box, very different than you know truly developing centers of influence. Networking is just about leaving a good impression, then you turn it into that. How do I develop someone who's actually gonna refer to me? Yeah, you know, we in our men's group this morning and. Full disclosure, Jake's part of the men's yep. group that, that meets weekly. Um, Adam Jackson actually had an amazing insight, and he said the two things that you can't control are chemistry and timing. Yep. And I think mm-hmm. that's what people don't understand about networking. Mm-hmm. And it's applicable in so many different places. We were, all, like, we're, gonna, we're all making little mental notes when he sure. said that, right? And I think networking, generally speaking, when you're at an event that's specific to business, it's like, first off, there might be chemistry, but you have to get, it's kind of like dating. You see a group of people and you're like, that one's hot, I want to talk to her. How do I extract her from the group and spend time with her away from her friends? Mm Because I don't want to win the whole group over, right? Yeah. So in networking, I look at it the same way. It's like, how do I spend time with them, whether it's coffee, lunch, golf, whatever, right? But then the second piece, the chemistry you can you can usually tell if there's chemistry there. But then the timing piece. I mean, I'll tell you now that I've been at networking events where there's people I want to meet, and I'm like, yeah. now's not the right time. They've got a group of people wanting to talk to them. They're entertaining this. They're doing mm-hmm. that. I'll bide my time. I'll get them down the road. Sure. And how do you handle that? How do you know the right time to talk to somebody, the right place to talk to somebody, and then the chemistry part? Absolutely. How quick are you to lose yeah. on that? Right back to, to that point of our men's group today, our topic was patience. Patience. It is everybody's been to that networking event where just people look desperate. It's like it's some sort of speed dating activity. Oh, yeah. And, it, it, and, and I think that's the – and I get it. Every industry is different. You know, we are in – I know as financial advisors, I look at that as more of a long sales cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very much relationship-based because somebody can fire us at any time, even after they come on board and we don't get paid up front. So you got to make sure it's a good fit. But to me, that's patience. It's sometimes there is a genuine fit right off the bat. 
Um, I know Ben and I did uh, an event. Um, that was, yeah, probably a year ago or so where there was some people there and I ended up, uh, you know, at the, it was a cocktail making oh, class. Yeah, that was like a year and a half ago. And I was yeah. at the bar with a woman and I had, she was, she was a, a prospect, but it was just a came. cocktail making class y- that we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she came with a friend and she was retired or, you know, getting close to retirement. And I mean, I was just basically trying to build rapport. And it was very easy to see that she was ready to go. You know, it was she had she had genuine questions. She wanted to know how we operated. And by the end of it, it was all right. Let's let's really start to isolate this opportunity. Um, and there's other times when you can see this is a person that I want to know. Um, I even within my uh, within my spreadsheet that I keep of prospects or whatnot, I kind of code everybody one through five. Mm-hmm. And a one is purely. Gee, some of your prospects are going to ask what you have them coded yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) a one is they know who i am there's never been business discussed i don't even know if they could tell you exactly what it is that i do but to that point of good impression and then we move on to number two and that's i've at least formally introduced what i do and made them aware that i would like to sit down for a meeting and then you kind of go from there then it's Mm -hmm. you know you're looking at statements you've sat down formally but yeah to that point i think all too often it's a patience game where you've identified that this is a person that you want to get to know further and then what i always try to do is find some sort of commonality where you could then create that opportunity to whether it's a i know this person loves golf and I know they've never golfed Manitou Country Club. And I'm like, hey, can I take you for a round up there? Great. They're a foodie. Hey, have you, have you checked out this new restaurant? You know, let's grab a happy hour there. And so I, if I've identified someone that I want to get to know further before I'm like, hey, can we sit down and let me tell you what I do? It's let's find something that they like to do, see if I can fit that into my wheelhouse, and then hopefully create an opportunity where the conversation will go further. That's that's kind of that first step. This is the second time today you've said something that's jogged, an infield example from, from me mentoring some people uh-huh. that in the field. Um, and just yesterday I was talking to a guy, I went on an appointment with one of our newer people, and he was he was still trying to build credibility and i was like change gears yeah like, you've already got this guy on yep. the hook mm-hmm. like, and you you mentioned that like you, you give him the one through five but i think there's a there's a part there that comes with experience and there's a part where it's just intuition sure where when you're talking to somebody it's like Shh, stop selling shut up yep you don't need to build any more yep. credibility now you change gears into here's the next steps exactly and and lay it out yeah, and well, I don't think you get, I mean be brave about that too. Yeah, yeah that's right? the thing. I think a lot of the time, like when I end a meeting with a prospect, it's like just so you're aware, like here's what the next steps are, so that there's no questions yep. as to how mm-hmm. we proceed forward, and then you just let me know when you're ready to move forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. e- exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and I always say it's okay to go in reverse. Like you can say, hey, look, the next steps are I need a void to check some tax uh-huh. information from you, and then we mm-hmm. can get moving. And if they if they step back or put the brakes on, you can step back and put the brakes yeah. on as well. But if you get yeah. no resistance there, refreshers are fine. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> the, you always are Move obviously forward. you're looking for positive buying signs. 
We all do. And you can always go with an assumptive close. <laughs> and to mm -hmm. that point, if it doesn't work, you regroup, totally. you build more rapport. I mean, that's that's just it. I it's it's looking close, for the signs. Your closing ratio goes up, too. I, exactly. Because more people are just be like, oh, well, yeah, okay. Let, yeah. yeah, well, let's go, I guess. Yeah. yeah. What do I have stopping me? But no, back to that, like, all right, you've identified that person that you want to get to know more. Then it becomes, in my opinion, more of the art than the science. It, you really do have to just understand, is it the right time and place? Is this the place that I want to move this relationship forward in whatever capacity that might be? Do I have all the information I need? Do I know who they are? Do I know what makes them tick? What would be the ideal way for me to get them in a setting that they're comfortable opening mm -hmm. up further? And that's where there's no one way to do it, as we all know. It's really more about developing an experience and confidence to start breaking that person down yep. and understanding when the next when the, what the next phase should look like so you jake in the last three years probably has gone from the guy trying to figure out how to get referrals and get mm -hmm. cois and like build the cois i remember you saying at one point you're like you and tim referring to me and tim mm -hmm. both have like really good account cois which yeah arguable yeah on my <laughs> <laughs> And then you better apologize to those attendants. <laughs> and then uh, some of them actually are really good. I've I've gone and recreated some or like yeah. focused on new ones. But then you went in and found one, fostered it, and grew it to be probably one of the best referral sources that I think we will probably ever see. Yeah. So talk, if you would, a little more specifically about. I mean, you found somebody. I know the two of you don't have the same chemistry. Sure. I'm doing air quotes here on the back yeah. end. Like, you're not the same people. So you don't just have a, a natural bond, but you're both easygoing guys. Sure. So it worked. So talk about what you did to initiate that relationship. I know you did some specific training, maybe what you did to train them. And yeah. That's um, how that all worked. Yeah. In our business, as, as we know, uh, usually estate planning attorneys and accountants, CPAs, are the best referral sources but they can come from anywhere obviously so with this situation in particular to your point i remember that you know three four years ago whatever it was when i just wasn't really ingratiated with any cpas that already didn't have a relationship at 10 capital and that is as as we know here we're not we're not competing we're collaborating in terms of like i'm not going to go try to steal a cio from you yeah. or whatever that doesn't do anybody any good so the first thing i did was i just started looking around for if i want a cpa to refer to me who the heck am i going to go find and um you know identified a firm in town that we really didn't have any connections with and then I just happened to find that I had a connection with the, the managing partner. And I also know, and again, I didn't create any of this. We've used a lot of it from something we call Art of Wow and you know, some of the, the partners we have that have taught us some great tricks. Um, so going and identifying, great. So I want to be in front of this person. It's not about me going and just selling to them. It was I reached out to that person, that CPA, and said, I have referrals to make. You know, I'm looking for someone that I can send people to. I really don't have anyone right now that I trust. And yeah, and, and that's true. I did have plenty of referrals to give. And I got that lunch, uh, you know, with the managing partner. And I could tell pretty quickly, at least in that moment, he had people that I thought he was probably referring to already. He was going to give me kind of that pat on the head of like, hey, great job reaching out. But I, I didn't really get a vibe that I was going to get a lot of business from him. So what I did ask him was, who in your office do I need to know? 
give me a CPA at your firm that you think not only wants new clients, but that would be open to uh, maybe taking a look at me. And he introduced me to a gentleman that, yeah, to that point, I didn't get my first referral from him for 18 months or so. And did you give your first referral? uh, Within two weeks. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to start, I probably gave him a dozen before I got one. Now I'm getting five or six for every one that I give. Like he has really ramped up. But it took time. Number one, um, as, as we've learned in our industry, you don't go and target the people that aren't referring. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people think, hey, let's go find a center of influence that isn't referring to anybody right now. That way I can get all the referrals. They don't refer for a reason. And you have to uncover that. But looking for someone who's already referring and being confident enough to, we call it CLASP. So, you know, C-L-A, those are the three pieces that I use. The, tell me about who you're currently referring to. Let's see. What do you like about them? You know, the L and then the A is alter. You know, hey, is there anything they're not doing that you'd like to see? Is there Mm -hmm. any other pieces of value that you'd like to see them adding? So I did that with him for a while. But but what it really came down to was the patience of I didn't ask. I never once (laughs) – I remember a a sales coach I had long ago who I don't know how he ended up – in our industry because he was much more of a car salesman. I remember he told me one time, hey, was this write, the same business coach you and I both have? Yes. Okay, I know he's right, about Write it. down the names of 10 yeah, people terrible. on a sheet of paper, take them to lunch, and you slide that over in front of them and say, who do you know on this list that you can introduce me to? And then when they point at one, be like, great, now who else? And I'm like, I, you, I mean, it made my skin crawl yeah. just hearing him say that. The other one, open your phone. Let's go through your contacts Exactly. List. Let's You're go like, through your contacts. Oh, so, so with this CPA, it was much more about patience. Mm-hmm. Hey, tell me about your business. What kind of clients are you looking for? Hey, I sent that person over last week. I want to see, is that the right type of person you're looking for? So it was all about them. And then I noticed that he, you know, he started asking me questions and then it got into what he told me was he had four or five people that he would refer to, but he brought up a specific situation around a client who was near and dear to him. And what he said really stood out to him was, I didn't jump straight into, this is what I do for him. This is what their portfolio should look like. Um, I empathized with the situation that the client was in, asked about them, what made them tick, you know, that they were going through some health problems. So are they okay? You know, how are you doing? Because it was close to them. And he said, that's what really stood out to him was he could tell that it was, that, that I was really genuinely interested in him and his clients, not just in, interested in the referral. Yeah. And that, that was the genesis of how it started. I, I, had to, I had to, even if he was listening to this, he'd agree. I had to teach him how to refer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more like, hey, I gave somebody your name. All right, maybe they'll call, maybe they won't. So we worked on an intake sheet because I'd tell him, look, every new client I have, I'm asking who their CPA is, who their state plan attorney, what do they like, what do they don't, because it's just going to make me look better if I can find an opportunity to add value outside of the portfolio. It makes w- you better, makes their plan better. Exactly. Yeah. He, he wasn't doing that. So helping to teach him how to uncover those opportunities, and then it was now when someone says they don't like or they don't have a good relationship with their financial advisor, why? And then obviously all along the way, once we got to that point where we built enough rapport, you know, it's, I know, you know, I'm an advisor. Let me bring you into the office. I'm going to buy you lunch. 
And I just want to take an hour of your time to walk you through exactly how I operate and what I think makes me different than some of the other advisors you're looking at. And yeah, it, it took a while, but I think I'm the only person he refers to at this point. And now other members of his team are doing the same thing. Yeah, you even got the managing partner to I send got, you some. I That's did. That's pretty good. Yeah. There's, there's multiple things that jump out there. And I think where I would focus is you, you built credibility for, what did you say, 18 months? Yeah. You kept yeah. sending. You, you yep. kept plugging 100%. away. Because you, you saw the potential. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. But with a little bit of education and by constantly sending them people, they were like, I'm sure there was a little bit of guilt. It's like, I haven't sent this guy anything. I've got to learn. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're exactly right. And then it's okay sometimes to, all right, if you're referring to someone, you want them to refer back. They haven't done it. You feel, feel like you've built that rapport. You've been patient. You can always ask. Mm-hmm. Hey, I know. Who are you referring to right now? Well, I'd rather not say. Well, there's an issue already. But if it's a, I'm referring to this person, great. I, I know you like that they did this. We talked about maybe what you'd want to see differently. You know, hey, not to put you on the spot, and certainly this isn't a uh, quid pro quo, but, you know, I would love to be someone you would consider. Is there anything that you need to know about me? Is there anything else that I can show you that would maybe even help you consider kind of adding? meteor list if you think someone's appropriate yeah Yeah. so here's another question yeah before that success how many dud partnerships did you have how many times did you try it and fail a lot i mean (laughs) i I mean i I feel like this is where shoot even if you're getting to the baseball if you're batting 300 you're (laughs) you're an all-star i mean to that point you tried dozens of times this is this is anyone who's going into any of our industries obviously knows that it is a game of you will hear no over and over and over or you're like man i spent a year trying to develop that relationship and nothing came out of it and that's okay because when it comes to cois as i'm sure you know we've all heard it takes one two maybe three max Mm -hmm. to build your entire career you know, if you can get three Jake's gonna good, do it in one. Oh, I'm gonna try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to that it's point, working. yeah. It's yesterday, working. I got confirmation after standing in front of a board of thirty people. Yeah. That I'm going to paper a deal I've been working on for three and a half years. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And the sales cycle's long. And it's going. To, but the thing is, that's going to feed me fifty to hundred customers a year yep. for the next ten years. Exactly. So it's absolutely worth it in the three and a half years graft and banging my head on a wall and going, God, you guys just need to see the value. As a, it, it was worth it. And eventually they saw the value. And yep. now we're at a point that it's like, hey, we're going to roll this partnership out here beginning June 1, and we're going to absolutely knock this out of the park. Yeah. It's interesting. Exactly. Now. The timing element of that, right? Like you never know when the people are actually going to say yes. No. So it's like you, we've all seen that little meme of the guy chipping away at the mm-hmm. gold mine, you know, mm-hmm. and, yep. and he stops right before he actually hits the gold. Yep. So it's like, uh, you, you've heard my saying before, like the sales success, uh, the sales cycle for success is long, right? So you just have to like keep going, yeah, and keep going, yeah, and keep going, and like, and you have to keep failing with COIs and keep failing with COIs and keep failing with COIs until you find the one that's yeah. the gold mine that yeah. works. Our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our greatest fears were powerful beyond measure. You yeah. know, it's like you can sit there and beat yourself up and be like, oh man, maybe I'm just not good enough. Or, no, just 
keep going, keep going. And to be honest, I know, Ben, you and I both know this. I think eight or nine out of every 10 advisors don't make it in this business past yeah. five years. It's like, you better be resilient. You better be able to, you know, keep grinding, stay organized, you know, to that point of art of wow, know how to really create experiences for not only clients, but your centers of influence yeah. uh, that go above and beyond just, hey, send me somebody because I'm good at my job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the card peddlers. Yeah. So I have another question. Yeah. It's a difficult one. Ooh. Have you let so in those failures? Yeah, and I know I, I can say I absolutely have done it and let people down. Yeah, um, in those failures, the ones that you tried to set up, sure. How much of it was on you where you didn't set expectations and you didn't follow through on some of the things? And it's like, okay, I'm going to learn from that and apply it the next time. Yeah, I look at uh, every time there's a failure, it's on me because okay. even I and I look at that personally in business. Even if I don't feel I did anything wrong, there's still a reason it happened. Maybe I was barking up the wrong tree to begin with. So yeah, I've learned a lot from the failures and whether it's sometimes what I've found is, uh, you know, for me, I've always looked at, hey, uh, I got a good personality, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna lead with that. So I tend to sometimes turn people into friends and I didn't mean to, not that I don't friend enjoy zone. them as friend a friend, zone. but yeah, to that point, all of a sudden it's like, I've almost made it awkward at this point because I've turned them into a friend. And now when I'm trying to create this business conversation, yeah. they're looking at me potentially as not being genuine. Oh, is this the only reason you, or I don't, I've heard these things where like, I don't really do business with my friends. And I'm like, oh man, I really went into this looking at you as a business target and, and, and we ended up becoming friends. So I've learned that. I've learned to that point it wasn't setting expectations. And sometimes it's just that point where it's like you take it so long without letting it be known that this is what you want, that you create that awkward uh, you know, scenario where they're, they're almost wondering, like, why haven't you asked me? Am I not good enough to refer to you? So I, through all of them, I've learned you know, when the failure comes, I played a part, whether it was directly on me or whether it was just something that I could have done a little differently or to that point, barking up the wrong tree. So with those COI relationships mm-hmm. in the past that didn't pan out, yeah. we'll say versus failed. Yeah. Um, one of my questions here, and I have my own way of doing it and have done it in the past is it's kind of firing a COI, right? I mean, sure. We fire clients if they're not a good relationship. Yeah. But I mean, we'll say you've invested in the person you've tried to train them yeah it's been 18 months two years whatever it's been sure you've sent referrals mm-hmm. you've maintained you've maintained contact yeah uh and it just seems to not be fruitful yeah absolutely and so because we all have had or have yeah those. and sometimes you just have to recognize i have i have one in particular that i've always wanted them to refer to me i've talked about it i feel like i've been direct so it's been discussed like oh yeah 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 and it's never really happened i refer a lot to them but they do a hell of a good job Mm -hmm. it's not all about me it's not a quid pro quo so it's like well i'm gonna keep referring to you and show you that i am a good partner there you go patience maybe it will come but i'm no longer you know reaching out to get a happy hour on the books or you know continue to hey let me talk you through this new piece to my process or whatever the case might be because it's just you know relationships established yeah it's established um yeah other times to me it's just that it goes from a i'm reaching out consistently 
to now it's a drip to you just kind of right. let it fade away because mm-hmm. that's the one thing with coi with clients you have to fire them you know it's a hey i need to end this relationship with with cois you can just a lot of times let Quit those calling. things <laughs> fade away mm-hmm. and then if anything sometimes you do get that hey you know i and I've, I've had this one before you know yeah no you haven't reached out in a long time you know what gives and i'm like well you know to be honest, really enjoy you, but it just didn't seem like, you know, you were comfortable really looking at me as someone as part of your circle of referrals. And that led to a pretty good conversation. And I, I did end up getting a couple of referrals. Yeah. yeah. From that individual. So yeah, sometimes you just let it fade away and you see who comes back. Oh yeah. Sometimes <laughs> they don't realize that they're not being a good partner. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit this morning about yeah. this. Um, but I think a lot of people, when they're trying to build COIs, they lead with revenue share and gifts. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll do this for you. and you Yeah. Know, obviously, that's not the way to go. Sure. It, it's a component. Like, yeah. if you can share revenue, by all means, like, kick back to people. Yep. Um, in the finance industry, it's a little iffy, and sometimes yeah. you have to yeah. disclose things. Yeah. Um, that being said, what do you... When, when people ask you, like, well, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outside of revenue share, because this this is where you build the value. What? How do you explain to somebody? Hey, here's here's how I'm different. Here's what I'm going to do that others aren't. Sure. Um, and there's a piece here as well. I think often you have to realize that there are other people in the industry that are doing a great job for people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's often overlooked by a lot of people. It's like, yeah, I want to work with you, but if I'm honest, I know you're working with somebody that's great, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what I've found is oftentimes you just want to be on the list. You know, hey, I know you're already referring to great people. Um, you know, we could sit here and spend hours walking through what makes me different, you know, in my process, and it's so unique, and I think we do a great job. Um, I just want to get on that list. So to that point, what's in it for you? Um, I look at it is especially when we're talking about our industry where, I mean, let's be honest a lot of what we're doing in the financial services industry is becoming commoditized it's the same thing for cpas it's the same thing for estate planning attorneys so i know for me i want to be the financial quarterback for my clients they're paying me for investment management the investment management is probably the easiest component of it it's the rest of what you're going to do so if i have a coi that's like well what would be in it for me it's like you if you're not referring right now you're missing an opportunity to make yourself invaluable to your client if you can be a member of that client's team or build the team for them i love Mm -hmm. that i love it when someone comes in i'm like i don't really have a cpa i don't even really know my attorney i'm gonna build it for you we're gonna get the people in the room and oh by the way they don't pay me a dime for this this is all about you and we're gonna create that team around you to make your life easier and more efficient so as i explain that to a potential coi if you can do that whether it's with me or another advisor you become invaluable to your client because I, I think the average smart person, using air quotes as Ben said earlier, yeah. <laughs> understands that someone who's going to sit down in front of you and say, I can do everything for you. I'm the expert at everything. They're lying. Yeah. They're going to drop the ball. They're, they're going to be a jack of all trades, master of none. So stay in your lane and help people get the right people around them in the other areas of their life. So to me, that's what's in it for them. It's the credibility and adding that extra value that you're not getting paid for. I'm just making your life easier. And I just want to get on the list. I like to compete, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. I'm a sports guy. Uh, I want to compete. So I'm hoping they refer to two or three other advisors 
I will win. That's, I mean, just you got to have that confidence. I just want to get on the list. Put me in the game. Well, I think you're going to win, too, because the reason why your CPA refers to you, right? You're empathetic, kind, people relate to you. But also, I mean, I think the process is better. Yeah. Right? It's like, <laughs> I, I think we're just... There's some, sometimes you're just better. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. But and I do think, uh, agreeing with you on the commoditized robo portion, right? Like, people can go to a robo and get a lot of the same investment management stuff. Sure. But I, I, I want to make sure this is clear, is I the value add isn't the necessarily investments, right? If people nope. just look at that purely and say like, oh, you guys are investors. I'm just looking for who's going to give me the biggest return. Yeah. Then, yeah, working with an advisor, no matter the advisor, probably no. isn't a good fit. You go to TurboTax. Years, there's, you know, estate planning softwares now where you can go out. I mean, there's LegalZoom. Yeah. Um, you know, you can just go buy the S&P 500. You, there's, there's all of these things Yeah, and you can you go can get do. the Honda. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. Mm-hmm. You, might, you might need a Porsche. Yep. Yeah. So that'd be nice. <laughs> so we talked about patience a little bit. I want to dive into that a yeah. little bit more because my boss calls me Babe Ruth mm-hmm. on occasion because I call my shots and yeah. I hit them, right? Yeah. And I was about three months into this gig. And when I first started my, my plans, I, like, I don't mind walking into businesses and introducing myself. Sure. And then I realized that's freaking exhausting. Mm-hmm. I get told more no than I do get told yes. Yeah. Um, so I... Uh, I adjusted and I told him three months in, I was like, right now I'm hustling here and my referrals are here and I'm yeah. going to do this. Yep. And for the people not watching me, I'm changing my hands from high to low. Yep. Yeah. So I'm 90% referrals now. I still source some business on my own. Yeah. Right. But I wanted to talk about that piece that there's a hustle element as well. Yes. You can't walk into a gig like ours. And we're in different industries, but similar in terms of how we build a book. Um, You can't walk into a 100% commission gig and think everybody's going to refer to me right off the bat. There's a credibility piece. Mm -hmm. There's a a tenure piece. There's a a learning curve. Yeah. So on the hustle part, talk about that and how you went from hustling hard to transitioning to now the referrals come in and the hustle's a little bit less. I'm still hustling for my customers, but I'm not out there hustling and trying to get pound in the pavement. Yeah, I just went from shotgun to sniper. You Mm -hmm. know, it was, uh, you know, you, you start to see what works and what not. You start to see you get invited to a networking group and you can just start, it's like, all right, I know this industry doesn't refer. You know, uh, I know that these kind of people are already really ingratiated with these people. There's not going to be anything coming from that. So then it's just working smarter, not harder. You know, I'm friggin' hustling now, but it's all about now taking the, cause we're talking about the one CPA. I, I right now have about nine individuals that refer and they refer pretty well. Some are clients, some are, um, obviously centers of influence. I'm going to focus my time and attention on those people. Totally. It's, it's sniper focus now. I don't need more referral sources. I'd certainly take them, and I'm certainly continuing to ask my existing clients and whatnot, hey, love working with you if you have somebody, you know, one of your friends that needs help. But now it's about building the, building, building the relationships with these people that I have and then creating very unique experiences for them, whether that be education, whether that be social, whatever it is that can make them feel like they are the center of attention and whatever they need from me, they're going to get. That's where the time is going to be spent. So you mentioned earlier... And I, this was one of my things I wrote down. Yeah. The art of wow with prospects and COIs, right? Yeah. And so 
obviously I know what that is, but let's yes. talk about the art of wow a little bit and sure. what that means and some of the things that you've done, I think, even recently with your dinner yeah. that I thought were great ideas uh, sure. and showed extreme value, I think, to those people in the form of like you showing value to them to saying, hey, I appreciate you. Sure, and would love to say that the art of wow we created, but we didn't. No. Um, no. Yeah, I don't one know. One of our partners did. Yeah. yeah, is that what we just say? One of our partners? Is yeah, what, that's yeah. Right. yeah, one of our partners. So, yeah, they have a whole process that they teach. I just really embraced it. And it all is about creating intentional, personalized experiences for clients and people around you. And I've had that manifest in every way from I had a, a widow who was referred to me and um, she knew she wasn't going to make any decisions in the moment, i.e. patience. And as I was getting to know her, and this was a substantial account, and um, she was a traveler, and that's what her and her deceased husband did, and she was getting ready to go on her first trip since he had passed away, and her son was going to come meet her for that. I found out they were going whale watching. I bought her these top-of-the-line travel binoculars, sent them off to her friend who had um, kind of made the introduction. And, you know, that note of, hey, just really hope you enjoy this experience, whatever. Looking forward to talking with you again at your convenience. Bam, sealed the deal. Um, And that wasn't, I mean, it was intentional. Like, I really felt for her as I got to know her and how important this first trip was. But, you know, also knowing that that was probably going to go a long way to build that credibility while I was probably going to get another meeting. Mm-hmm. When it comes to COIs... And you put thought into that gift, oh, too. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's not like you just, like, centers a friggin' flower Yeah, it, yeah, and that's that intentional and personalized. So, um, same idea. we got to be careful, obviously, in our industry about gifts, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, giving something that's too large or whatever. But we can create experiences because mm-hmm. if you're a part of it, that's all right. There's no cost limit. No cost limit. Yes, cost limit. Exactly. So identifying, you know, uh, a COI of mine who'd never been to a uh, Seahawks game mm-hmm. before, and he and his spouse had never gone, so flying them over, you know. <laughs> Did you just spit over? <laughs> the sea chickens, as you call them, I think. Poor, poor Steven. All of you know he's a Packers fan. And uh, one of my favorite, <laughs> side note, one of my favorite, uh, I've had a lot of unreal sports experiences, you know, uh, been to some epic UFC fights, Kentucky Derby, Final Four, all that good stuff. But my most memorable was sitting up at the Hawks Nest in that NFC Championship game where they came back and beat the Packers in the fourth (laughs) quarter in the driving rain. So it's still too soon. It's still it'll always be too soon. (laughs) Yeah. But back to that point, whether it was taking that individual to a Seahawks game and experiencing that with him, getting to know he and his spouse, um, taking a now that we got this great space that we're in with a um uh you know an area that our lounge area that our new office oh yeah yeah. so setting up a year-end hey tax season's over hooray bring your firm in and we catered the dinner you know brought in the uh the bartender to make the drink that the managing partner loved and have it be all about them i was there serving i wasn't eating with them and schmoozing it was like all right let me pour your staff some drinks let me make sure that you know i'm bringing out the dessert i so so it's just those intentional experiences with no expectation I love that. I love that you're talking experience because I'm an experience over things guy. Oh, Always yeah. have been. 100%. You know, sporting events, concerts, yeah. trips, um, surfing. Yeah. Something that I'll remember, a golf experience. Exactly. And 
how many firms and how many people do you know they're like oh i'm i'm doing this for marketing like realtors are the worst for it and i'm calling out an entire industry <laughs> here they send you a sweatshirt or a hoodie and it's got their name or their and it's like oh you want me to advertise for you yeah but you buy me dinner first you know it's like we're, I, we're d- I will say back to that story about the when i had to shut down the shuffleboard thing for a while mm-hmm. yeah about 20 of those people were realtors yeah, yeah. or title and Company. title yeah slinging <laughs> those cards around the thing is like if you can create an experience, experiences are more memorable, mm-hmm. right? And especially now that we can document it, LinkedIn's a great place. Like yeah. You take, and, and it's so underutilized. Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this all the time. It's like, you've got two or three COIs or potential COIs, and you give them a great experience and document that. Everybody that wants to be a COI or already as a COI is looking at that and going, well, my guy didn't do that for me. Absolutely. You know, and... I think the magic of that isn't even as much in the experience as the fact that you get to experience it with that person. Exactly. And there's that that bond that gets created. Like, I give you a sweatshirt. Oh, cool, a sweatshirt that I lose in a year. But it's like, if I get to experience this event with you, then you remember it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, now I know that guy. We drank beer together. It was fun. Or whatever. Like, at the Seahawks game. Exactly. And, Stephen, you even hit the nail on the head. After I had spent a lot of time, you know, with this this first CPA referral source, not only had I, at one point, sent him a dozen to the one that I got back and started creating experiences for him, then what he had told me was like, oh, yeah, some of the other you know cpas and partners in my firm were like well nobody ever does that kind of thing for me and i mean obviously i'm taking great care of the people he's sending over because you can't do Mm -hmm. crap work and get referrals obviously but if let's just assume everybody's doing great work what else are you doing so all of a sudden i was getting more referrals from other cpas in that firm so that they could uh maybe experience the same thing yeah that was my calendar telling me what's coming next um yeah i I think there's a there's a really important piece there and it's beyond the credibility it's the bullshit can get you to the top this is how i I, but it can't keep you there no so there has to be substance so beyond the credibility that is a substance piece right so it starts off with a hustle building the credibility but then there has to be substance and that's the part that you're hustling on now like you you know we talked about it we I've implemented Calendly. You have as well. It's yep. like, how can I be more efficient? Yep. Because inefficiency is yeah. literally the best way to make me angry. When I've, I, I, Whether I'm in a restaurant mm-hmm. or a store, as a customer or someone that I may end up making a customer, if I'm the customer, I'm looking and going, why are you doing it that way? Like, I need to understand this. And yeah. I don't get it. Like, we can fix that. You can fix that. You don't even need me to fix that. Exactly. Who's, who came up with that process? Mm-hmm. So... I love the fact that you're working smart now mm-hmm. and, and hard still. You're not. It, yeah. th- this is the thing. Like people think, like, the second you start getting referrals, it gets easy. No. And it's like, no, that's when the work starts because now you've got to. Keep it's just the a referrals different type. Coming. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I just hired, you know, my first person into my team specifically because I had started to work efficiently. But to that point, all of a sudden, the business was growing very rapidly. My book Mm -hmm. of clients was, and it was great because you'd bring on a new client, and you're like, all right, now that's three or four more meetings per year i got to add. 
I already feel like I'm getting capped. I'm going to have less ability to create these art of wow experiences, less ability to intentional, uh, to spend intentional time with these people who are referring to me. And that's when you have to look to put your resources back to work. I'm the same as you. It's like, I don't need a lot of material things. Mm -hmm. I love my 2016 Subaru. We'll keep driving that. You know, it's, I, I want to put that money back to, you know, areas that provide experiences for me and my family and also make my life more efficient. So now it's great. We can add a person to the team who hopefully can take some of that off my plate so I can continue to focus on that growth. That's hilarious. I get car fever every week. Oh, yeah. I look at cars and I'm like, oh, I want that. <laughs> and then I get in my car and I'm like, I own this free and clear. Why the hell would I ever go and buy another car? Oh, yeah. Until this dies. Yeah. But when it does die, I can go and buy anything I want. And back to that kid uh, discussion earlier, I'm like, why, you know, with a three and a half year old and a one year old, yeah, the no idea <laughs> of putting them in anything that I truly cared about <laughs> doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Jamie's got a nice new rig. Though. Jamie's got a great rig. Yeah, yeah that's nice that's for sure. But uh, our buddy, yeah. Patrick, not a 2016 <laughs> no, our buddy Patrick just went and got himself a Porsche Cayenne. Good for him. And yeah, great for him. Do you remember I, what a Sequoia looked like before? Yeah, and I drove. Oh, it. I know. I was thinking yeah. about that. And I drove it, and it's a wonderful car, and I love Porsche, and it's, I mean, yeah. it's part of the Volkswagen Audi family, right? And I'm like, I love these German cars. But your kid's in that car. But 90 grand, <laughs> and I know what your payment is, F that. Yeah. Until my car dies, yeah. I'm driving it. Well, yeah, to that <laughs> point, I have, I mean, on my bucket list, which some of these things I'll, I'm sure never going to get to, and, you know, Audi RS5 Sportback, I'm like, I, I want that. I think that's exactly the car I, want I get car fever yeah. for. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Beautiful car. And I'm just sitting there thinking about the idea of I know how many door dings that because we have a we have a two car garage but it's pretty tight and I know how many door dings I have on the driver's side uh, passenger's door or the driver's side uh, back door from my daughter Naya just banging that thing over and over mm -hmm. getting out of mom's car and it's like I would I would be so mad at myself if I had a nice car and just trashed it so so through through the company yeah I have a thing called Perks at Work so I'm mm -hmm. like high end on enterprise whenever i book through that yeah. website so down in california at a q7 and it was top end they q7, you q7 like same beautiful area. right <laughs> um big old moonroof and all of the mod cons inside and i fell in love with it but the one so either the sports bag you talked about mm -hmm. or the sq5 top of the line oh, yeah. yep. and every Dude, night you i'm get looking the at the funkiest them, rental cars you drive the volkswagen jetta yet you got a jaguar f pace for your rental car here when that's it broke. That's how I do it, though. I do it for And then you got the Q7. I know. Exactly. It's awesome, though. So yeah. they just give you these like nice foreign SUVs to drive. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Well, I chose right. it. I always ask them what they've got. So one of my old gigs when I was with Challenger Sports, we used to rent like 40 cars over the summer like for my office. Yeah. Um, there's actually a company. There's multiple companies. The budget companies. So mm -hmm. budget, thrifty. I, they won't rent to me because my name was on so many cars and some of them got in accident so i have to use enterprise or others but so essentially me as a regional director for challenger i would have 40 cars out on the road that were in my name and guys driving from town to town and doing soccer camps and clinics so i kind of know the rental game better than i should <laughs> so whenever i walk into a rental place i'm having a conversation with them and going well what have you got available what's coming back like if i wait an hour can i get this versus that yeah nobody wants to drive a friggin kia sedona or anything no, like that seriously. right 
<laughs> that's true like, no I'll wait an hour and get something better thanks yeah I, I like to drive nice cars yeah exactly who doesn't <laughs> these cars are fun like yeah. a 2016 Subaru All it's right, not Jake. Black Betty though or Beauty Black Betty no. remember Black Beauty yeah I do Black Beauty that was his car that? before I just had Subaru. a Dodge Nitro it was oh. all blacked out yeah, you got to do what you do when you get into the game. The door, the door handle came off. Yeah. A dodgy exactly. nitro. Yeah, <laughs> dodgy exactly. Nitro. Exactly. Um, all right, one piece of advice you'd give somebody that's entrepreneurial, trying to start, and this is kind of where we're going to yeah. wrap up, but they're entrepreneurial, they want to get into some kind of sales slash entrepreneurial um, gig. Yeah. One piece of advice you'd give them. Yeah, I, I think I can sum it up with, and this is the way that, you know, I just turned 40, and the way I look at it, my 20s is when I figured it out. My 30s is when I put it together. So now I'm in my 40s and I can start looking at, all right, what am I going to do with all of this? And so I just, back to patience. I mean, you don't, you don't have to force your way in anything. Climbing a ladder the right way is uh, a good thing. You're not going to miss anything along the way. And if you're entrepreneurial, understand that growth doesn't come overnight. Just keep grinding. Just keep grinding, keep knocking on doors, and you'll get where you need to be. It happens. You just got to be patient. Yep. It takes yep. so much longer than you want it to. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Ben, anything to add before we wrap it up? No. I can't believe it's been two and a half years since we've been doing this, and Jake hasn't come on before, actually, now that I think about we've it. We've talked but about you a lot. Oh, yeah, cool. we've talked about Thanks. you a lot on the podcast, some good. actually. Yeah, some good, some bad. <laughs> You're going to have to go listen to every one of them, all just, 125 or whatever. I just now. wondered if you guys were extraordinary yet. Oh, geez. No, it's a moving target. That, it's that's it's an infinite goal. That's true. Yeah. yeah that's, Simon said. You, you never true. arrive. Yeah. yeah, you never arrive. That's for sure. You never yeah. arrive. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. striving to be extraordinary. The people we interview oh, are yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. We're ordinary. We have arrived. I've, arri- I've arrived into my 40s. That's I've arrived into my 40s. <laughs> <laughs> I've arrived into aching bones and children that door yeah, game exactly. here. exactly. <laughs> right behind you, September. Yeah, exactly. I got yeah. one more dunk check to hit my hit my target. There you go. As there long as go. I dunk in September. And you're good. Yeah. Dunk yeah. until 40. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, like, review, share if you want to chat with Jake. I'm sure he's easy to find on the 10 cap stuff or via Ben. Yep. Um and yeah we're we're like us he's open to chatting and doing his thing and where where can people find you on the socials are you did you delete yeah. it all together or? no i still have it um I, I check instagram now and then if you're i oh yeah i'm jake 10 cap tim there you go that's my go. linkedin Easy. i'm sorry that's my instagram and then yeah jacob tim is my linkedin that's what i'm on every day cool yeah all right there you go guys until the next time be good to yourselves and to each other Boom.